Well, hello and welcome back to Kindled. Today, I am excited to share with you a conversation that I got to have with my friend Krista Bowen all about screen sanity, how to help your child thrive in a digital age, and honestly, how to help your family thrive. Um, I think this topic and conversation is so relevant for all of us, regardless of the age of our kids, because we are the first generation raising digital natives as Krista shares in the interview. So you will definitely want to listen to the whole thing. Uh, There's just so much wisdom unloaded in this conversation. Other than that, uh, as always, appreciate reviews that you leave for the show as those help us get found by others looking for this type of content. And uh, make sure you're subscribed so you get all the new episodes in your feed. Um, That's all we've got. So here is my conversation with Krista Bowen. Krista, welcome to Kindled. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So uh, before we get into the conversation, I would love for you to share with listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Krista Bowen. I'm um, a mom of four kids. I'm a former middle school teacher and most recently um, the founder, co-founder of an organization called Screen Sanity. And we just help walk alongside families in this whole digital world helping them to really learn how to be mentors and guides as their kids are going growing through the ages and stages of learning about and adopting technology into their lives. Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah. When yeah. did you found that organization? Yes, great question. So my my journey be I mean, my journey began probably about 6 years ago. Um when my oldest daughter, so I said, I have have four kids and my oldest daughter was just at, she was in fifth grade. And at that time, a lot has changed. We're in 2024 now. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But back then, um, the hot gift for Christmas in fifth grade was a smartphone. And Mm -hmm. I was a middle school teacher. And I, when I was in the classroom, I remember taking phones away from kids and, um, feeling like, um, like there was no chance that phones would ever become so integrated into our kids' lives that they would need mm-hmm. to have them in school. But what I was hearing from my friends at school was, no, you have to give your kid a smartphone because they're being used in the classrooms to help educate the kids. Right. And my teacher ears kind of perked up and I thought that's, that's not right. And so, um, I started having all these questions about, um, man, I don't feel like we're ready for that whole world yet. I don't know that whole world. And, you know, when you have your first baby, right, you mm-hmm. read books like what to expect when you're um, expecting, right? Mm-hmm. Because you just don't know anything about the world, but um, there are lots of parents who have gone through it a stage ahead of you. Um, but in this, in this topic and around this issue, there actually, there was no wisdom that had already been written, you know, throughout the ages. And so I, as I began to ask parents just one stage ahead of me, you know, how do you, how do you manage this? How do you introduce it? How do you keep your kids safe? All of those questions I, you know, kind of expected them to respond with, you know, you've got this, it'll be fine. You know, Mm -hmm. eventually they'll sleep through the night, you know, just hang in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead I noticed a very different reaction from what I was used to from families one stage ahead of me. And that was just that um, they would kind of back up and they'd say, I don't, I don't have the answers on this one, but whatever, whatever you do, it's not going well at my house. And so try to figure out something um, different than what I've done. And so that really began um, just kind of a quest with me and my co-founders to just gather parents together and say, what is working? <laughs> what what are you learning? How can we do this in a way that our kids um, 
aren't getting bumped and bruised by the hazards that we know are in the online world. And, um, and so that, that, that grew into an organization called Screen Sanity. And we um, ended up developing a parent course that was able to really gather people together um, in a safe place to say, you know, listen, we are the first generation of parents who have had to raise digital natives. You know, there is no um, wisdom that's being handed down from our, we can't call our grandmas, we can't call our moms, we can't call our aunties. And so, um, you know, all we have is each other. And um, so let's just, let's just pause any kind of parenting conversation around, um, you know, this is the right way to do it, or um, this way's better, or this way's worse. And let's just say, like, we're all struggling, we're all fighting our own battles with screens in our homes. And so how can we have this conversation in a way that releases shame and really um, offers support to each other as we're kind of learning our own messy lessons in our corners of of our homes. So, mm. um, yeah. So then, yeah. yeah. So the, the program really helps establish, um, kind of a one-on-one for what we call digital health. So what we, what we learned was that really what was common out there six years ago, and I think it's shifting, but, um, was, well, do you remember Haley when like, you, you might be a little bit young for this, but when I was growing up, you know, <laughs> McDonald's was like amazing. And, Mm -hmm. um, I remember when my small town got McDonald's and, you know, everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, just consumed and consumed and consumed. Oh, right. right? Yeah. And got happy meals all the time. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. And Mm -hmm. it was just this golden, I mean, the golden arches. And, um, but then at some point, and it might've been some kind of documentary, somebody said, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Isn't there, there's, there's something in this that's addictive. (laughs) Yeah. There's something in this that isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're seeing our health change and like, what is it? Like, can we actually get to that secret sauce mm-hmm. um, that's mixed in to um, our food? And I think that that same thing has kind of happened with, with digital consumption, with the things that, you know, the, um, the smartphone was released in 2007, social media, um, you know, quickly kind of landed on those phones, but by, by 2012, and that's really when um, the like button was introduced into a lot of the apps, um, Mm. and, and started really starting to manipulate and our behavior with our phones and make us even more addicted and more attached to our phones. Um, by the time that that happened, that's actually when we started seeing, um, a pretty severe mental health crisis start to just, Mm. um, you know, explode with, especially with our youth, with everybody. Um, and so even before the pandemic hit, and that's actually when my work began, we were already seeing, a massive mental health loneliness mm-hmm. epidemic, um, especially amongst our youth. Um, and you and said that the, the like button is, yeah. is like what you're tying kind of to the impetus for that in 2012, like, or the, the push behind the mental health crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's, um, that's something that we feel really passionately about at screen sanity is really, um, not, it's really tempting to want to just take these things and just say like, they're all bad and throw them, you know, Mm -hmm. out the window into a lake or something like that. But really, um, really it's important for us. And I think, especially as parents, when we're breaking down technology with our kids to say that, you know, there are good things here. Mm -hmm. Technology is not all bad. It's a, it's a huge gift. You know, we've seen over and over how it's, 
um, brought so much connection and so much, you know, even with the pandemic, you know, we were able to order, um, order toilet paper from, you know, our pajamas in our living Mm -hmm. rooms. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's such a gift to have technology. And yet there are, um, it's not neutral. Mm -hmm. And, um, we tend to, and we used to teach our kids that technology was a blue sky opportunity, you know, kind of a highway to get wherever, whatever information you needed to mm-hmm. get, it would take you there. Right. But the truth is, is that it's not blue sky, that there are actually very strong winds pointing us in the direction of mm-hmm. the direction that the, the, that the companies want us to go. Mm-hmm. And the direction to be clear that they want us to go is to spend as much time and give as much of our attention as possible to, um, to these devices. And so if mm-hmm. you've seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, mm-hmm. um, you've heard from the people who created, especially social media apps, um, just express regret at the ways that they didn't understand how the the behavior um, mechanisms that they would build into our devices would actually disrupt the social fabric of right. um, how we operate. And yeah, um, so all that to say, <laughs> The like button is really um, when I I really started to think about and really tried to articulate this for my kids that, you know, when we go online, we're really trying to look for kind of the organic aisle of technology. And um, in order to do that, we have to learn to kind of read the ingredients, but there's nobody out there teaching our kids right now how to read the label of, of technology. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, you know, and I still don't understand how to read the labels on technology exactly, but one of the things that you can look out for, you know, I don't know what the equivalent of this would be in the, um, the food world, but one of the, one of the things you can look out for is, does it have advertising? Does it have, um, Actually, that's probably the most simple way to, to look at it because the like button is actually the mechanism that um, companies like Meta and TikTok and um, social media companies use to gauge engagement and to be able right. to sell advertising. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of the dirty little social media um, apps like Marco Polo they don't use like buttons. They, they're pure connection between one human and another human. And you're never going to get an advertisement in the middle to disrupt your connection. And I feel like I am a hot mess talking all over the place, but no, yeah, that, that makes sense. The like button. And that's what I would say is it's Mm -hmm. um, less healthy use of technology. So, right. Which I mean, are the ones that we're all drawn to, right? Facebook, Instagram. I don't, I don't, I mean, I I've used Marco Polo. I won't say it's like my favorite way to communicate. Um, it's not the app I go on to, to open up. Right. I don't go on because there's nothing to engage with. Like you said, I am drawn to the apps where I can engage with content. I can like it. I can share it. I can watch the videos. Right. I can, um, have some, I I can, it somehow, uh, feels, more satisfying, right? Because yeah. and there's chemistry and science behind that. Um, right. Do you? I, I'm sure most people by this point have heard that, but do you want to share a little bit on just the science of what is happening when you're hitting that like button or when someone is liking your post and how that would relate to this conversation around kids and using phones or screens yeah. at a young age? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the first part of that question is it. It really has to do with the um, 
the reward that is naturally built into your body that God gave you mm-hmm. um, whenever there's anything, whenever you have pleasure and that reward is called dopamine. And so it's a, I guess it's a neuro neurochemical that's released in your brain. Um, and it, you know, God really designed us to, um, if you go back in history, like to really have, um, long waits, uh, and what I mean is like, if, if we were hungry, right. And, um, we had to go out and find berries or we had to go out and, you know, kill game. Um, but the reward at the end of that was that we got rewarded with like food and that was, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, so the design for dopamine in our bodies was for us to be rewarded after, um, after really kind of long searches or mm-hmm. hard, hard work. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, and it's, so it's really, really strong. It's really, really, mm-hmm. really powerful. And what happened with um, our phones is when we get those like buttons, we, um, and I, I'm actually not, I'm not a neurotherapist or a neuroscientist. Yeah. So I might be, right. please give me grace. If I'm, if you are one and you're listening to me and you're like, that's not exactly right. Please give me yeah. grace. Mm-hmm. But what I understand is that when we, um, whenever we get a like, whenever we receive those, um, those really those designs that were meant to be between, um, humans, right. Saying like, I receive you, I accept you. I love you. I connect with you. Whenever we get those at like rapid fire, mm-hmm. our brain just gets overwhelmed and, um, we need more and more to be able to, to kind of reach that higher level of pleasure, Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So it kind of, it was meant and intended by God to be something that was slow, but now it's, it's like our brains are flooded, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, the way that I mostly see that play out with kids is that we can accidentally get ourselves into situations. If we're handing our children screens um, with whatever game that we've, it's really with games, um, mostly Mm -hmm. for younger kids, um, where they are gamified. They, even our education, sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole world of edutainment and gamification for education. And some Mm -hmm. of that is probably good, but it is designed on the reward system of dopamine in the brain, which is if you get this, you know, if you get to the next level, level up and you get that pleasure hit, and then you want more and you want more and you want more. Mm And so what can accidentally happen, and this happened in my own family, is that we end up having kids who just crave that mm-hmm. dopamine and they crave those screens. They feel connected to those screens. And mm-hmm. it's not just um, something that is kind of uh, abstract. Like it's a very real neuro connection that's been made in yeah. their brain. Um, yeah. And so I have a friend who is in Kansas City um, and she's in what is called a neurotherapist. And she has a waiting list and all she does is she has young kids coming into her, um, into her practice. And she has to literally re help them calm their brain down and retrain their brain to not be so, um, addicted to those, to those screens. So I think, um, when we, I think the relationship to screens, is just that we are accidentally creating a generation that is just oversaturated with pleasure. Yeah. And what that accidentally does is it, um, it takes over opportunities for boredom mm-hmm. and for, um, and, and what that means is a couple of things. One of them is that whenever things are hard, 
our kids are not learning to regulate. Um, so like if you're, if you're a mom and you just want to get through target and, um, your kids having a rough day, it makes all the sense in the world to hand them your phone just to get you through target. And you have that option, um, if you want to, but I like to talk with parents about kind of thinking about the long-term goal of those mm-hmm. uncomfortable moments in target. And yeah. um, if you can, if you have the willpower that day to say, actually, I'm going to let you kind of um, wrestle through this difficult, I'm bored. I don't want to be here emotion. If you can play that out 10 years down the line, what you can kind of imagine is that you might be helping grow a muscle for your kid who will one day be a teenager who will have something unpleasant happen Mm. in his teenage life or her teenage life, because that is part of, that is part of adolescence is how things happen. And unfortunately we are seeing, you know, skyrocketed teenage suicide. Um, and a lot of that comes because our kids are learning to, um, make really fast decisions when they are in pain to get out of the pain. Um, and so I, I, I'm also not an expert in this as well, but some of my friends who are in the mental health field, they have shared that, you know, it used to be, um, like, two weeks or something, you would start seeing, um, signs of kids considering suicide until the actual attempt. Mm -hmm. Um, but in recent years that has shortened down to hours and even now minutes between Mm -hmm. like the first sign of making that decision and then trying the execution of that. And so, um, I think anytime that you can kind of say, you know what, we're not going to go for the dopamine today. We're actually going to go for the, we're going to go for the grit today. Mm -hmm. We're going to go for, this is going to be messy and there are going to be people rolling their eyes at me and target, but I'm here for it today because I can kind of see the long-term goal, Mm -hmm. which is I want my kid to learn to be able to emotionally regulate when something is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's probably what I would say is the strongest, the strongest concern I have with um, kids and dopamine. I want to interrupt this episode to tell you about our first sponsor, and that is W2 Beef Co. W2 is a husband and wife team that is selling grass-fed, grain-finished beef in bulk, shipped for free, straight to your door. Kevin is a fourth-generation farmer who has been farming and ranching for 15 years. Their beef is raised on the wide-open pastures at the Kansas-Oklahoma state line. They currently specialize in selling bulk, so this is your chance to stock your deep freezer with quality meat. If you love hosting parties, meal prepping for your family, or having steaks on hand for the grill, they are the meat providers for you. Like I mentioned, they ship straight to your doorstep for free. So this saves you a trip to the grocery store, hauling the meat home, wondering where it's sourced from, what it has been injected with, you can forego all of those stresses by ordering from W2 Beef. And I was shipped um, a an eighth of a cow, uh, which is now stocking my freezer, which A, gives me so much peace of mind knowing that we have quality beef in our freezer that's going to last me months and is, is just is so well-raised and sourced. I don't have to stress going, what is in this? Where is it from? Who raised it? What did they put into it? We really do not know if we can even trust the packages in the stores these days. And there's just a lot of concerns about our food supply um, and how that is gonna be tampered with in the future. But the other thing I'll say is that I have eaten these steaks. I've had this ground beef. 
it is excellent in terms of quality, taste, texture. It is not tough. It is soft. It is excellent quality beef. So you will not be disappointed when you check out W2 Beef. Sign up for their huge giveaway of 50 pounds of free meat. When you sign up, you also get the chance to learn about their farm and you get a limited time offer that is available only when you sign up for that giveaway for Kindle listeners. And so scroll down in the show notes, click the link to sign up for the giveaway for 50 pounds of meat. But beware, do not sign up if you don't have a place to keep the meat because this is a lot of meat. You're going to need an extra freezer for this. Um, Scroll down in show notes. You'll find the link for W2 Beef Co. Check them out at W2BeefCo.com. That's really fascinating, especially like thinking about the times I've done that, handed the phone or you're out to dinner, right? And you just want to enjoy your meal in peace. And you've got the two-year-old who's losing it at bedtime, um, you know, and I, I don't, we're past this stage, but I remember when Coco Melon came out and my daughter was of age to watch it. And I was like, this is amazing because it's keeping her attention, right? And why is it keeping her attention so well? Because it's it moves so fast and the scenes change and the music is new every second. And it's just this constant, constant, constant stimulation. And then once I started hearing that it was actually bad for kids' brains, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) That actually makes total (laughs) sense about why it was so effective because it was just like they were literally hooked. And it was like, I did not exist, you know, And, and we've all been in that spot where you're talking to your kid and they're looking at a screen and you're like, hello, hello, are you, do you hear me? And it is, it's crazy, you know? And, um, of course we can do the same thing as, as adults, but I think that especially those young brains, there's so much more in that sponge stage of absorbing and taking in and being formed by what they're seeing. Um, than we are as our brains are older and more, you know, set in our ways. And, and we had the opportunity to grow up in like a childhood that wasn't inundated with media all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I watched TV as a kid, I watched Mr. Rogers and Sesame street and, I probably watched more TV. I mean, I don't know. I think I watched Sesame Street three times a day. So that was like probably three hours of TV. But I know that there's also differences between TV and like a a screen in your hand, right? Right. iPad that you're swiping and getting that dopamine hit or a phone that you're swiping and hitting like or seeing people like your photo. Very different experience. There's less of that feedback on a TV screen, although I'm sure it still does have an impact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think um, one thing I've just been kind of exploring and learning within my own family is just this concept of like screens aren't bad and screen time can be good and we can watch. I mean, our family's favorite is Bluey right now. I have teenagers and we like watch Bluey. It's just, we, we love it. But um, when we share our attention at a screen together, we're actually still bonding. I mean, maybe we're not bonding as much as looking into each other's eyes, but we're still creating a memory together, but the danger comes when we are in isolation. And so Um, really we want to help our kids understand that like, sometimes it's okay to like binge and stream on your own, you know, YouTube, um, is tough because it uses algorithms to keep continuing. Like I said, like mm-hmm. targeting that content, yeah. making that special recipe. That's just going to want make you want to keep clicking and keep clicking. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's really different than when we were kids. Very different. It was only, you know, Mr. Rogers was only on at eight 30 to nine and then you had to yeah. turn the TV off. And this is right. like, we can lose ourselves. And that's a, that's a, um, that is a pattern that, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we want them to be aware of even as they go into adulthood. So really, yeah. um, when we think about 
when we think about this whole, this whole thing, really try to think of it as, um, driver's ed, right. Where it's like, you don't just, um, hand your kids the keys to a car and expect Mm -hmm. them to know how to drive it, you know, right when they're 16 or whatever, like Mm -hmm. there's a huge long process of training. Um, you know, when we learned how to drive, we, um, our parents like took us to a very limited safe space and they taught us very simple skills that we, you know, going forward, putting the car in reverse, like mm-hmm. before we learned things like, you know, parallel parking. Um, and so that's really kind of the trajectory that you want to be on with your kids is to say that not only do I like, am I concerned a little bit about them watching screens, like, and kind of binging too much TV? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's one question is like quantity, but I'm also wanting to say whenever we do do that, like, how can I use that moment to, um, to help educate them around the long-term goal, which is in this case, like, Hey, screens in isolation usually aren't going to bring you joy. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to watch something, let's watch it together. Let's find your brother. Let's find your sister. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, let's go out and make a memory together. Let's get outside. Let's, you know, let's give a hug. Let's do some push-ups or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you want is when they are, um, when they go to college and they're lonely and um, school is overwhelming and they don't really understand what that professor, you know, and it's just like, do you, you want them to be able to say, okay, mama said, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the solution here isn't for me to go play Fortnite for hours alone in my room. Yeah. In in my room. And that is one of the things that we're hearing is like so many of these amazing kids who we've like over poured our lives into, they aren't making it through their first semester of college because they just cannot don't know how to deal. Yeah. They don't know. And they don't, they don't know the recipe is Mm -hmm. actually when I'm isolated and I'm giving myself Mm -hmm. um, this pleasure and isolation that's actually disrupting me from mm-hmm. what God intended me for, which is right. creativity, joy, community. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. And that algorithm thing you talked about with YouTube is, you know, I, uh, my kids don't watch YouTube. Um, I, even with the YouTube kids app, I mean, parents need to know that there is so much hidden content on there. Um, right. And the only reason we know that is because we actually encountered it years ago when my oldest was maybe four and we, um, had an iPad, uh, that we turned on for her. I don't know what show she's watching, but ultimately, you know, it flips the next video and it started out this really cute little, like Mickey mouse and Minnie cartoon or something. And then all of a sudden in the middle of that little short episode was a creepy clown chasing a child on a playground. Like it was like horrific. Yeah. we were sitting right there. And so Joey, my husband saw it and grabbed it and was like, what is this? And she's like, I don't know. You know, obviously it's not like she chose it, but we were just very like, I mean, we were shocked by that. We're like, this somebody uploaded this, this video to yeah. torment and really scare. And um, who knows some sicko, you know, like right. to, to introduce kids to this horrific imagery that's bizarre and like but who knows what else could have been added in there right like there's the sky's the limit the video starts out one way you walk away thinking it's fine and there's something else and that's on youtube kits right and so and and that's i don't know i'm sure that they catch those videos and they remove them but you're still always there's no safe place is my point and the algorithm is so powerful. I was talking to one of my daughter's friends um, a couple months ago and she was like, oh yeah, you know, I watch YouTube. It's so funny. She was like, I started out watching unboxing videos 
And now I'm watching, now I've gotten to watching, like she was talking about, you know, some sort of Lego build. And she was like laughing about it because it was so funny how YouTube had started her in one place and ended her in another. Yeah. And I'm listening going, uh, you know, yeah. like, yikes, you know, and, and right. do your parents know that? Are they aware? Right. And do they see that as, oh, like, that's so cool that it showed you different stuff that you're interested in? Or do they see yeah. it as a risk right. because their kid is being exposed? Maybe right now it's fine. Maybe Lego right. builds are no big deal, but what's the next thing? What, right. where do you, where does that like journey take you and yeah. who gets to decide where it ends? And that's, that's the problem. And that's I right. just, I feel like there's so much naivety in parents, um, you know, around my age, millennials, even to some Gen Z more, you know, the older, even the more naive because they really did not grow up this way. I actually right. did grow up with, um, right. you know, screens and, and not an iPhone or anything, but, uh, you know, I got a laptop somewhere in high school, you know, so yeah. I, I had AIM on my computer. I remember like screaming up to my mom, like, mom, I'm chatting with someone online yeah. like thinking this was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. And they're yeah. like, oh, whatever. That's weird. Uh -huh. Saw no risks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so right. we're that first generation that grew up with that. And where I see the risks, I know the risk because I've been down these roads and I'm like, right. oh no, we are not no, you're not doing that. No, you're not having that. Um, but I think there's a lot of naivety um, amongst parents about what what their kids can encounter, what their kids are seeing that they're just yeah. not aware of. Um, and it's it's pretty scary. So what yeah. are some of the, um, you know, in your conversations with parents, you know, that you've had in the past through Screen Sanity and, and your course, what pushback do you hear from parents? Is it like, ah, oh, you're being too extreme or what are, what are some of the responses that you might hear from a parent? Well, I would say um, one of the number one pressures that families face is actually from each other. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that is that, and we feel this, my family, like we're, we're like, like we're like a case study for this, but uh -huh. um, just really feeling like, well, I think it's really lovely what you, you know, what you're trying to teach parents about, but the reality is, is my kid's going to get left out if yes, we don't do it I this way, so whether much. it's on games or mm -hmm. whether it's social media or even just texting. Mm -hmm. um, they're not in so the thread. And so they don't get invited and now they they're social invited. outcast. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, let me tell you, I've walked the other side of that, which is being the person who has been left out being, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, I guess what I was thinking even about what you were talking about before is that there's a cost to all of this. There's yeah. a cost either way, but um, if you are going to kind of um, take a healthy approach to technology, the cost is you're going to be swimming upstream against a culture that is not um, and that can be lonely. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I think has been hard, but helpful with our family is just to say, you know, sometimes the things that God calls us to do, sometimes the lives that God calls us to lead are lonely. Like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, isn't there some old like wisdom around like, Eagles like fly higher and higher, um, above all of the kind of birds that are below them. Mm -hmm. They have like the, the best view of kind of the, of mm -hmm. the landscape or mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know, but, um, we've gotten, we, as I think as, especially as Christians and, um, 
we've gotten so used to trying to define our success the way that the world sees our success. We've, you know, how many friends do we have? How many likes do we have? Um, how, how much are we fitting in or loved by the, by the culture and, um, in the digital world. And if you are going to go a way that's against the crowd, you really have to be ready to teach your kids that, yeah, we're not going to do things the way that the rest of the world does them. And that we're going to seek out people who are, who are doing things, you know, differently too, so that we're not Mm -hmm. alone. You know, it's really important to kind of find your people. Um, And that's not to say like band together and be a, you know, a micro community out in the world that, you know, doesn't engage with the world, but to say um, there will be times where you'll be left out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you won't be alone because I'll be with you. And right. God is with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and maybe, maybe sometimes it's actually better for you to be left out. Yeah. Right. Like you I'm not saying it right. would not be difficult. I, I'm not, you know, people could argue you're not in this stage yet. So you can have your standards while your daughter's under 10. But yeah. believe me, we like, I myself have experienced that and it is painful for sure to be left out and to see cool. the things post. And you're like, oh, cool. I wasn't invited to that. That's awesome. Right. But then you're like, okay, maybe this is actually a gift. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise because what we so often want is acceptance from people who want us, you know, make us feel good, make us feel a certain way or affirm that we are wanted or liked or whatever. And that can become a placebo for truly finding our, you know, acceptance in in Christ and our identity in who he says we are and not who others say we are. And so I have seen in my own life how that has actually been a gift that's driven me closer in my relationship to God to not be included in all of the things the way some people are for for reasons that I am different for reasons yeah. that I do stand up and speak out on things that a lot of people don't and therefore I get excluded and yeah. while it's easy to take that and go like well that's not fair and people are life is so unfair and you know those those girls are mean it's actually I've been able to really kind of relish the joy of that. And like, I get to be different, not in a prideful way, but like I, I get to be set apart and I don't have to go through a lot of the stuff that a lot of people do in those environments that is very problematic or would lead you into sin or a number of things. And so I think, you know, it's even hard as an adult. So of course it's harder. It's way harder as a kid because they're not as mature, but like you're saying, we actually get the opportunity as parents to help them walk through that while they're in our home and introduce them to these difficulties and also point them to their hope in those trials instead of just like, I'm going to opt you out of all difficulty by just handing you the golden ticket. Yeah, it's tough. I think, I think probably the toughest part of the battle, honestly, is to just like parent your own heart. And those, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's where a lot of parents get tripped up is, and I do too, me me first is, um, just really, I, I'm having a hard time watching you struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time watching you be left out. Yeah. Can't I fix this? Can't I take away your pain? Can't I, mm. you know, make this right? Oh yeah. I probably right. could like, I, okay. Yeah. Let's go ahead and just jump on whatever app because whatever. But the truth is over and over what we hear from families is they think they're going to solve that FOMO. And instead the opposite happens because Mm. especially with girls in social media and middle school, that's when, Mm -hmm. you know, girls don't want to be left out. Parents are like, it's too excruciating. I can't watch this happen. They get on there and almost immediately that girl's mental health starts tanking. Mm -hmm. And we've watched it over and over with friends. Um, 
who it's just because now you're seeing all of the things that you're left out on. You're yeah. still left out, but now yes. you're just watching it. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. We deal with that as parents too. But I think um, one of the greatest gifts we can give to our kids is that transparency about our own struggle with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to go out and like tell the whole world about how, you know, man, I really felt left out when that group of moms got together and I wasn't mm-hmm. invited. We're not going to go out and do that. But within the trusting context for our relationship with our kids, I think showing them empathy for that yeah. struggle of, yeah, mm-hmm. it can be really hard. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think about like, gen- like two generations ago, three generations ago, you know, like if something bad out there in the, in the world happened and you're on a farm in Kansas, like, all you know are your own struggles that God's put in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. But now our kids have to like be exposed not only to the struggles right in front of them, but to the struggles of the world. Like they're carrying, yeah. we, technology, what it accidentally does is it extends, um, it makes us think we have a broader capacity than we actually do. And one of the so things- true is that God made us with limits. Mm-hmm. That was part of his original intended design. Like sometimes I think we feel like we have to apologize because we can't um, keep up with our 600 Facebook friends. And we didn't know that they, yeah. their child had gotten a broken knee. I don't even know, but mm-hmm. um, we feel like we have to say, gosh, I'm really sorry. I didn't keep up with you. Mm-hmm. But I think if we really look at the garden, if we really look at God's original design, he gave us limits. He gave us mm-hmm. a number of days. He gave mm-hmm. us one body that cannot be in three places, like the bowling alley, the dance club and the whatever, like mm-hmm. one body, we are limited creatures. And that is such a gift. And so, um, if we can accept that there are only so many relationships that we were made to carry, and if we can go deep with those relationships, and that doesn't mean like we don't keep our eyes open for whoever God would put on our, you know, put on our path to reach out to and to love and show mercy to, but it does mean that we are not chasing after the, the social, um, the social scene that the rest yeah. of the world is chasing, totally. that we are, we are chasing people in a different, deeper way. And, right. um, if we are doing it that way, then a lot of the digital world has to be kind of kept in its proper place Mm -hmm. because that's a, it's a lie, you know? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah. So So practically, what is your, you know, official advice as far as screens? What ages do you allow, you know, um, X access to a screen? Is it, you know, is it you can download this app at this age or you, you shouldn't have a phone till this age? Um, And and I want to hear from you also what some of those um, particular apps that might be the biggest stumbling blocks. Like I've heard of Roblox. I, I don't have that, but I, that's a big one. I know Fortnite. I'm sure yeah. there's others, but um, what, what's your advice as far as what ages it is yeah. appropriate or wise to start introducing a screen? Yeah. How does a parent do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I will, I'll just start by saying everybody's on a different, on a different yeah. path. Um, and so I can only kind of share my own journey and what we've done. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
this is not going to apply to everybody. And um, especially my heart is for the single moms, the, the, the split families who are trying to navigate, um, mm-hmm. you know, even just um, grandparents who are caregivers. And it's, it's so challenging, even in our own family where we are, you know, mostly kind of a, mostly kind of a solid family. Um, it's so challenging for us to navigate being on the same page. And so I just, mm-hmm. before I share any of this, I just want to give the disclaimer and context that mm-hmm. this is only what we've done and it's not perfect. And we're learning and we're changing with every kid that we do, we do something different, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, when they are, when they are really, really young, you are just really working on modeling with them and you're working on learning yourself about how to think about your own digital habits. And so, um, you're learning what kind of techniques to put in place to keep your own technology use healthy and safe. Um, we talk a lot about friction at screen sanity and that's, you know, it's anything you insert into an equation to slow down or to put a countermeasure against, Um, the thing that is vying for your attention. Um, So maybe you are wearing a watch instead of carrying your phone around all the time. And you're only Mm -hmm. allowing the people who are most important to you to get to get to you. So really when they are youngsters, if you can just limit any kind of um, any kind of binging, um, if you are watching something, watching it together and spending time talking about what you're watching, narrating, Mm -hmm. um, I know middle of elementary, a lot of, a lot of parents are ready to give their kids a little bit of more independence, but they still, and that's really important. You're always kind of weighing this, like, you don't want to keep them protected forever. You are going somewhere with this process. You want them to become more independent. And so um, we see a lot of families giving their kids um, watches at that point. Not all watches are created equal. Um if they are attached to the internet, um, you do have to be aware that some of some of the smartwatches can access apps that you don't want your kid to access. Mm-hmm. And so really look at those devices. Um, we, we currently, our fourth grader has the Garmin. Um, it is, I can't remember what it's called, but it's one that we could activate if we wanted to connect with her and talk with her. We don't actually do that because I really want my kids to be able to be okay without feeling the need to be tethered to me at all times. Mm -hmm. Like I just Mm -hmm. don't feel like they need to be accessible by me at all times. But if you feel like there's a reason that you want to communicate with your kids, um, those watches are a good place to start. And Mm -hmm. then usually what you find is about sixth grade. Um, the kids don't think the watches are as cool and they're starting to want to look like every other kid around them. And so that's when we start seeing a lot of families um, accidentally walk into the smartphone store and, um, you know, they're like, hey, guess what? Add a line for free and you get this free device for your kid today and your and your kids with you. And you're like, this is great. I can make them instantly happy, but you don't really have a plan. And then before you know it, like that is a really hard, you, you mentioned, maybe you didn't mention, but um that it, once you kind of let the genie out of the bottle, it's pretty yeah. hard to rein it back in. So I would just mm-hmm. recommend before you go into that stage of smartphone introduction, I would really try to make a plan for how it's going to, how it's going to roll out. So in, in our family, we have gone with some of the new awesome products out there called first phones. Um, we usually start with a gab phone and that, you know, that phone has no internet access, no mm-hmm. app store. It does have like a music store. They actually have an awesome, um, we actually, we subscribe for five extra dollars a month. We subscribe to their, to their music program, which is pre-screened music that, you oh, know, cool. is mostly, it's okay. You know, um, mm-hmm. 
And then when, and with that, with that device, our goal is, so with this watches, your goal is really giving them a little bit more independence and building trust. With the first phones, your goal is really to start introducing um, digital communication. So one-to-one texting. Um, and so with the Gab phone, you can turn off um, photo texting, you can turn off group texting. Mm-hmm. And that's what we just do that for a year. Sixth yeah. grade is all about one-to-one texting. That's what, that is what we do. Mm-hmm. And then seventh grade uh, or eighth grade, we um, see this is getting actually the more that we we're on our third kid now mm. um, of four. And actually we keep pushing it back further. Like yeah. I, like with my oldest, I think she had group texting in seventh and my seventh grader. Now I'm like, let's wait another year. Cause those group group texting would be the next layer I'd add on. You can still okay. do that with the first phone. Um, you might want to move to a pinwheel phone. They have a few more apps that um, are really, that's what we do. We move, we move to a pinwheel phone because there's a little bit bigger of an app store. I really love the pinwheel. It's one of my favorite products. Um, but you're wanting to work on those group texts next. Hmm. And that is, <laughs> as we all know, as adults, <laughs> group texts can be their own mm-hmm. little beast. Right. And so yeah. you're really like helping them understand, you know, why that went wrong or what ghosting is, or, you know, you're kind of oh, really wow. spending a long time thinking through like that group digital texting mm-hmm. and how to not accidentally make meaning or lose trust in mm-hmm. people just because that went wrong in the digital world. And you should actually probably pick up the phone and call them and work it out or talk it out. Sure. And then um, we add photo texting later. Um, honestly, we haven't even added it yet for my ninth grade, ninth grader. Yeah. Um, and most of that is not because I don't trust him. It's because um, you can accidentally get pulled into things that you they are coming toward yeah. you right? and you never intended to be pulled into them. And all of a sudden yeah. you are wrapped in a bunch of, and so the whole time that we're doing that, we're watching other friends who mm-hmm. are doing it. And so we're still mm-hmm. getting lessons. Yeah. <laughs> we're still having opportunities to talk about it, Yeah, but we're giving our um, prefrontal cortex, which is the, the, the rational decision-making part of yeah. your brain that is not developed until they're saying now to like age 27. But definitely oh it's not developed at age 15. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, but we're giving it a little bit longer. Yeah. And then, um, and this whole time we're practicing, we're practicing habits. Like we're putting our phone outside of that bedroom every single night. Yep. And if you can't get in that habit with me, then we're not going to move on to the next stage. We're mm-hmm. just not like, that's, that's a really critical habit. Um, we're practicing um, things like we're, we're going to have filters. We're yeah. going to have check-ins. We're going to, we, and then as they get to 16, 17, you are about to kind of push your child out of the nest. And so yeah. that's the part where you're kind of starting to transition a lot of um, those accountability measures mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, it, it becomes less about you um, hi- hovering and monitoring and catching, right? And right. now it's, we're going to let you fail a little bit and we're going to try to help you figure out how you could hold what's a better accountability for the next time. Um, and really like handing their filter over to them. So like Mm -hmm. our filters aren't really something that we just put in place to get them to 18 so that we can say we did our job and we're done with them now. Right. Mm -hmm. Our filters are something that we are giving to them as a tool that they can have in their, in their tool belt for the rest of their life, because they're going to be fighting the things that are coming from the rest of their lives. 
So we're transitioning that over to them. Um, we're, we're actually sprinkling in some opportunities for social media. Um, my daughter, um, we waited till 16 and, um, she pushed pretty hard. And then it was interesting, um, at age 16, it was like, okay, what do you, where do you want to start? What's your first step? You know, we're going to, we're going to be on there with you. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be practicing. We're going to be making mistakes. We're going to be showing you where the porn is and what a porn bot is. We're going to, mm. we're going to be talking about all this. Um, I was kind of geared up for that. And then what the most shocking thing happened, we got to 16 and she said, I've seen enough and I don't want it. That's where she's wow. at. What a and that doesn't mean that she'll never do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it was easy. It was a lot of left out. It was a lot mm -hmm. of tears. It wasn't mm -hmm. easy. But I think now on the other side, we're starting to actually then link up with girls who have been through like yeah. the really hard things with social media and they want off. Yeah. <laughs> They're like coming on the off ramp and she's like, I might go on, but no, actually I'll stay with you off over here. Yeah. And that might not be the case forever. Um, right. And I honestly, I, I don't really want that forever. I want us to be able to be adults where we can say, this is what social yeah. media is. This is the limits right. of it. That sometimes yeah. we, we, it can be a gift. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and so what we're still on that, yeah. we're going to still be parenting these kids, I guess, for a long right. time. Well, <laughs> I that's, was like, oh, yeah. it's not over to 18. Dang. Okay. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is a blessing. Cause we don't yeah. have to feel like I only have 18 summers. Like I hate when people say no, that honestly, cause yeah. it's, it's very, yeah, it's parenting never ends, right. You're always mm -hmm. going to be in your kid's life. That's, that's the goal. Um, before we run out of time, I also want to ask you, what about the parent listening who has already given too much and they're wanting to dial it back? Cause I do hear this from people frequently. I made a mistake. I um, let him on this app or, and now he's addicted or, or he got exposed to something or my daughter is like wrapped up in this group of friends. And I know that it's not good for her, but I don't know how to undo what has been done. What is your advice to parents in that spot? Yeah. Um, I would say go with your gut. Um, I would say don't, don't feel like you need to be radical and drastic about the changes that you make. Sometimes tiny changes can make a big difference. Um, so sometimes we hear um, that families panic and they pull the entire digital world away from the child and they don't recognize what a real part of their life it is. And that can create um, significant distress for, for teenagers, especially. Um, but if you do feel like something's wrong, I think you go with your gut and you lean in one of the most powerful stories that we've heard on this journey, which is a perfect way to end. I think is that, um, we had a family who had a teenager and, um, was on social media, had her phone in her room every night. And they started noticing that she was not, she, they just noticed that she wasn't herself. They started, you know, thinking, I think that, I think that it's something going on with the phone. And I think mm -hmm. that we probably need to have her, um, actually just start putting it out of her room at night. So they didn't take the phone away. They just said, not at night. You're not gonna be on there at night. Um, and as expected, she, um, protested, she, um, threw a fit. She was angry. She, I mean, she was on the floor in a puddle of tears and, um, red flag number one. Hard. What right. red flag number one, right? So hard. Right. Right. And, um, you know, you don't understand, like, you just don't mm. understand. 
And after they kind of got through the first wave, they held their ground. After they got through the first wave, she started sharing all of, you know, the hard things about it. And then eventually she said, I have to be on there every night because my friend has been suicidal Mm -hmm. and she meets me on there every night. And so this sweet, you know, the sweet teenage girl was feeling the weight of the world of carrying her suicidal friend every night. And so her parents kind of leaning in and saying, let us be the bad guys. Let us put the boundary in place actually gave her the boundary that she needed to be Mm -hmm. safe. Um, because her mental health was taking a toll as well. And so if you feel like you need to back it up a bit, I think back it up one step and see how it goes and then back it up another step if you need. Mm -hmm. Um, and you might experience pushback, Mm -hmm. um, and it might honestly be really, really hard to do that. But, um, I think if you can make it through the weeping and gnashing of teeth, on the other side, oftentimes we hear stories of kids, adults who say, once I took a step back from it, the fog cleared and I am so grateful that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that takes a lot of courage and um, I'm with you. We're in mm-hmm. that same constant tug and pull, but don't be afraid to take a step back if you need to. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't throw the, throw the whole genie, you know, back into the bottle. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine like it makes sense to me that if the younger the child is, the further back you can sure. and should go. Because sure. I mean, if we're talking about an eight year old who has an iPhone, which let's be honest, they exist, you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, that just there's no place for that. There's no place yeah. for the eight year old to have the iPhone. So right. I think back is, yeah, the, that's going away. It doesn't mean you can't play a game on the iPad here and there or watch your show here and there on the TV, right? Like you can still have some screen time, but we can't have this unlimited access to a phone. I mean, that's what is kind of ruining kids. And so I think that the younger you are, the easier it is to dial it back. Whereas like you said, with the teenager, maybe it's that one step of like, hey, we need to set some boundaries here that are helping you and helping us to, you know, um, be, you know, just be more involved in in how this is going. Yeah. And I would add like, you're, you're taking a step back, not as a never, you're right. taking a step mm-hmm. back to reassess the direction that you're heading so that you can get the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, so even like we had to do that with our eight-year-old boy, we had to take away his, you know, his screens for like a whole year so that his brain could rewire. And so that we could start again with a better pattern of like, okay, this time we're going to do it this way. Um, and yeah. so it's never like, it's never a, it's just a no. It's uh-huh. always a, it's a no. And here's why. Mm-hmm. it's a no, it's a not yet. And yeah. here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're always coupling those changes with that because I love you because mm-hmm. I want this for you right. because this is what it's doing to you. Yeah. 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 So when you see that in your kid, when I see that in my nine and seven year old, that their brain, as soon as we finish school goes to, can we watch, can we double you? I right. mean, my kids have code because they know that I'm double like, you. don't <laughs> ask me if you oh, ask the answers, no. If you ask me the now, now it's off because I will decide if and when, right? And I'm sure there's psychology would say that's not good for your kids either. But you know, but when I see that, like that kind of compulsive drive towards the screen, and it's just this instant reflex that I did this, so can I watch now? That's where I start to go. Okay, like something needs to change. Like you're saying with your son, you know, hey, like it's 
there's a problem and we need to address that. It doesn't mean I'm going to be like cold turkey, never again will you watch a show. Right. It's just we've gotten into some sort of habit where this has become an unhealthy reflex. Right, right. And this so. is grace. And this mm-hmm. is grace. We're going to do it again. We're right. going to do it again. We're going right. to go, but we get, we get a do over. We're going to do a do over. Yeah. <laughs> totally. that right? Or like with your oldest and you like get to like your third born and they're like, but they do it this way. They got yeah. it. This. Like, they aren't, they aren't you. And yeah. I wasn't me then. And right. I learned and we're going to do yeah. it this way this time. Totally. We up, we're going to go back and we're going to do it this way. So yeah. Just, right. Yeah. We get it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge thing with, um, especially as believers is just allowing our kids to know that grace applies to the digital world. I think there's mm-hmm. a really strong message out in the culture that says, don't mess up. This stuff's permanent. This will ruin your life. The digital yeah. world is scary. And no, that's not Jesus. Jesus knew that the digital world was coming and mm-hmm. he died for that too. And we can have grace and we can do it again. And he's the one who defines us, you know, yeah, not, right. not our online record, not our addiction. Sure. We'll yeah. go back to him. So yeah, man. Well, Krista, this has been so helpful and encouraging. I know yeah. that parents will appreciate this. So thank you for yeah. your time. Where can they learn more about screen sanity? See yeah. the course, all that. Yeah. So screensanity.org has all of the resources. Um, it's just an amazing website. So, and if you want more, that's kind of the one-on-one that just really helps your family kind of establish those healthy digital habits. And if you want more about digital discipleship and really helping figure out how to integrate your faith into, or a gospel centered perspective into kind of training your kids for, for their future in the online world, you can go to kristabowen.com. And you can subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which is called the social compass. So yeah. So great. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll link that in the show notes so that people can find you um, at your website. So thanks so much for your time today, Krista. Thanks Haley. We'll see ya. Well, thanks for listening. And I hope that our conversation was encouraging to you and that you'll reach out to both Krista at her uh, website or screen sanity, check the course out. I've actually received some of their resources. Our previous school um, had a partnership with them and the resources are awesome. I imagine the course is great too. Um, And for more of that kind of worldview and gospel oriented approach, check out Krista's website. I will link that in the show notes. You can scroll down and click that to find more um, on our website. Other than that, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Haley.Kindled, where I'm always kicking up some sort of dust and causing problems over on Instagram. Um, Just kidding about that, but sort of serious. Uh, Love to talk about any issue from a biblical worldview and usually tends to be controversial stuff because those are the ones that I uh, feel drawn to lean into, the ones that often get avoided by most people. So it's always a fun time over there. All right, guys, have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next time on Kindled.